In 2008, an investment bank named Lehman Brothers collapsed, sending the United States and much of the world into a financial crisis and recession that it's still recovering from. Today on Benchmark, we're turning our attention to another country, this time in Eastern Europe, that's facing its own Lehman-like moment. Except this time, the troubled company that could bring down that nation's economy is not an investment bank. It's one that makes and sells food. I'm Scott Landman, an economics editor with Bloomberg in Washington. And I'm Daniel Moss. I write about global economics for Bloomberg View in New York. So the country we're going to talk about today is Croatia. And like most Americans, I haven't visited the place. I don't know a whole lot about it, except that it was involved in a really terrible ethnic conflict in the former Yugoslavia. Can you help me out, Dan? Have you been there before? I have not, but I am intrigued that a supermarket could swallow a country's GDP, and we're not talking about Amazon or Walmart. All right, let's bring in our two resident experts who have been on top of this story in recent months. Yasmina Kuzmanovic is a reporter for Bloomberg based in the Croatian capital of Zagreb. Luka Kaziragi is a corporate finance reporter for Bloomberg in London. Yasmina, Luka, thanks for joining us. Thank you. Yasmina, can you start us off? The, the company that threatens Croatia is called Agrocor. Can you give us a brief history of where it started and how it got so big? That's right. The company was started by its owner, Ivica Todoric, who started it as a flower business in the 1970s. This is when Croatia was still part of socialist Yugoslavia and the country was introducing some pro-market reforms. Then after Croatian independence, when uh, the government abandoned the communist model for the market economy, uh, Todoric's business really took off. It grew into a retail and also food conglomerate, not only in Croatia, but also in neighboring countries. He expanded by borrowing, usually at very high interest rates, even in those early years, because Croatia was seen as a new country, as a, as a risk. In the past year, the borrowing caught up with the company, and eventually in January, the lenders stopped offering additional financing, and that sent the company into a debt crisis, at which point the government, concerned about the spillover to the rest of the Croatian economy and the region, brought a special law designed to shield the economy from systemic risk. And Todoric, the owner, invoked the law in April. So since April, the, the company is under the government restructuring. Let's zoom out a little bit. How much of Croatia's GDP is threatened if you take everything together, including suppliers to this company? Nobody has really uh, offered a definitive figure for this. We can, we can definitely say that Agricor annual revenue is about $7 billion, which is equivalent to about 15% of Croatia's GDP. However, when you take into account the suppliers, and uh, the suppliers range from the smallest farmers to the big food producers and processors, then this effect is obviously multiplied. 
the administrator, the state-appointed administrator who is now overseeing the, the company, recently said that about half a million people in the region could be affected if, in the case of Agrocor's collapse. So this company is Croatia's economy? In a way, yes. Yes. I mean, like you were talking about at the top, Dan, if if you're trying to take some analogy to the U.S. economy, it would probably be something like Amazon and Walmart and, you know, Kroger or other large grocery chains, and you you roll them all together, and, you know, it it would probably account for, well, if you have have a $19 U.S. economy, you're talking – you know, at least several trillion dollars worth of GDP or the equivalent if you were kind of making that straight comparison, right? And if you were including the supplies a lot more. Exactly. I mean, it's certainly, it's certainly bigger than, the, than what Lehman's brothers represented. It's, it is bigger than the impact for Croatia is bigger than the impact of the car industry in the U.S. and a, a similar uh, event when the government was saving the car industry. It, it's really... It's really hard to describe the, uh, in terms of other countries globally, what what this would mean. But this company, yes, it is it is Croatia. And Luca, let me bring you in so you can talk about the the international financial angle on this. How uh, uh, Yasmina was talking about how it started to take on debt and it got it got trouble in that angle. What what exactly did the company do, and how did it get into uh, this situation with international lenders? The company has been a bond issuer for uh, for many years. It um, has offered interesting uh, uh, yields for uh, investors, international investors, uh, because of its uh, because it's perceived as an Eastern European company, so a bit riskier than uh, Western European equivalents. The turning point in the story. In the story here uh, for Agrocore is probably 2014, when the company acquired a large competitor in the in the region, a Slovenian company called Mercator, hoping it would make um, could merge its own retail business with Mercator's retail business, improve profits, make savings, and shield the company from uh, competition from other retailers from the European Union. Um, Remember here that Croatia joined the EU in 2013. But after that, they realized that the merger wasn't going as planned. Uh, Profits didn't improve. Uh, Competition from other, especially discount retailers like Lidl uh, in uh, Croatia was getting uh, stronger and stronger. As uh, Yasmina said earlier, at the beginning of 2017, the company tried to refinance uh, some of the loans they had taken out with uh, Western and Eastern European Russian banks in previous years, the market wasn't ready to refinance those uh, those debts, and that triggered a panic that spread from uh, bondholders to banks to suppliers, landlords, and eventually the, gov- the Croatian government and also other governments in the region where uh, Agricor operates felt the need to intervene uh, to, to prop up the company. And so in other words, investors just didn't feel that even though they were offering probably pretty generous yields, I mean, what kind of yields were they offering on their, on their bonds? Uh, slightly less than 10%, which in the current environment is quite e- even Even with that, that was still 
uh, you know, those are very high for that region, basically, and that was just too risky for people to take on, right? Uh, yeah, uh, and uh, at the time also, it was starting to become clear that uh, there were some problems with the accounting of the company. A uh, few months into this crisis, we still don't have an exact figure for the total debt of Agricor uh, because um, there were uh, a lot of the suppliers uh, took out loans from local banks, eventually guaranteed by Agricor, which may have not been recorded on Agricor uh, balance sheets. Accountants are still looking into that. But again, at, at this moment, we still don't have an exact figure for, for, for the debt of the company. How is Russia involved in all this? Well, there are two elements here that we need to bear in mind. Uh, Russian banks, um, controlled by, uh, directly by the, the Russian state, by the Kremlin, are the l- biggest lenders to Agrocor. Uh, Sberbank, which is l- Russia's largest bank, alone lent uh, almost $1.5 billion to Agricor in the past few years. Uh, and it did that uh, as it expanded outside its domestic market uh, around 2013, 2014. VTB, the second largest bank, is also is the second largest lender uh, to, to Agricor. Um, the other element to bear in mind is that Croatia is a crucial country for geopolitical region, uh, reasons uh, within uh, southeastern Europe. Uh, it's part of the EU, it's part of NATO, uh, and uh, has large access to the Mediterranean Sea. Uh, historically, it's been aligned with Germany and the US. It's a predominantly Catholic country. Um, but Sir, uh, Russia, at the same time, has had an historical interest in the region and is close uh, to Serbia, which is the largest country in former Yugoslavia and uh, the main uh, enemy of uh, Croatia during the ethnic conflict of the 90s. Uh, now, we don't know whether the loans to Agricor, uh, the loans uh, by Russian banks to Agricor had a geopolitical motivation uh, to start with. We don't, have it and we don't have evidence for that. But what we can say is that Croatian politicians want to avoid that the country's largest company goes under Ru- uh, Russian control. And they've tried to avoid that since the start of the crisis. Where we are at at the moment is a Sberbank, uh, as a largest lender, wants to recover its money, uh, but it walked out of a deal uh, signed by other creditors of Agricor, uh, including banks and funds, hedge funds, American hedge funds, and it's starting legal battles against the company and also the Croatian government in um, several Balkan countries, including Croatia, uh, Serbia, uh, Slovenia, but also in the UK. Not so much the end of history. Uh, No, it feels like we're just at the beginning of it and uh, we'll probably hear more about this company in the next uh, next few months. So this is much more than just a Lehman-like effect on the economy. This is something that you know, it's almost like uh, the West versus Russia again. You know, you have you have New- Ukraine not too far away, and that's been kind of a tug of war in recent years. And now uh, it seems that could affect Croatia too. I mean, it's just even more interesting angle to the story. Maybe um, Yasmin, I'm curious, how does this affect the average citizen in Croatia, and how would people feel about uh, you know this company being in trouble, and also the potential power play by the Russians to uh, maybe get more leverage in the region there. Right. I mean, as we said, Agrocor has 
about 55,000 people, employees, about half of them in Croatia. So considering that Agrocor makes uh, things from pork sausages to ice cream, it has business in tourism, in travel, in real estate, uh, it, it owns the main newspaper distributor in Croatia, it owns luxury hotels on the Croatian coast, uh, movie theaters in Belgrade, uh, it is really hard to find a family that doesn't have some connection uh, to Agrocor, either through somebody who is directly employed, to somebody who supplies, or even somebody who writes for a fashion magazine, whose magazine has uh, is sold on this uh, through, through this chain of um, newspaper kiosk that Agrocor owns. People actually lost jobs because of the Agrocor crisis in the in a French uh, magazine L you know, the, the Croatian version, the Croatian uh, edition of Elle magazine. That sounds really bizarre, but... It does sound bizarre. <laughs> <laughs> people are people are concerned uh, what is going to happen to Agrocord. There was some schadenfreude in the beginning because the person, the owner of Agrocord, we, we have to remember that though the government is running restructuring, the owner formally of this whole conglomerate is still Ivica Todoric. Uh, and he ran the business as uh, as a tycoon. He he ran it as a family fiefdom. His three adult children were employed at top positions, uh, family friends, in-laws. He made always sure that among his employees are spouses and children of ministers, judges, of regulators, of politicians. So there was a little bit of glee that this that this empire has fallen down. But now I think people are concerned. And people understand the geopolitical reasons that they don't want Russia to become, or Russian, or a, a Russian-owned bank, to become the owner of uh, the biggest. Um, uh, Agrocord is the owner of most agricultural uh, land in Croatia, so they don't want Russian state or the Russian bank to get that. Uh, as Lucas said, it's interesting that the, Russian, the two Russian banks came into the lending game quite late in 2014, and what was their interest in in, in landed to Agrocor, which already was had financial troubles. It, it's, it's quite clear now. Um, we have to see what happens in this tug of war because Berbank, as Lucas said, is suing Agrocor from London through the Balkans in every former Yugoslav country, almost every Slovenia, Bosnia, Croatia, and Serbia. And uh, I think the next year will be crucial for, for all this. So what happens next if people don't want Russia expanding its influence in a region where it has historically meddled? What's the alternative? The IMF? Um, the short answer on the IMF, I don't think this, this is likely. The, the Croatia was last in the IMF program in the 1990s, and then after that had a long recession, six-year-long recession, but it, it recovered, and currently Croatia's GDP is actually uh, expanding. The government has stopped this a possible chaotic bankruptcy by bringing the special law in April. So it stopped the situation from deteriorating, and uh, whether the question of bailout comes up again really depends largely on how successful the government will be in the restructuring, whether it can help arrange a successful settlement. Because there are only two outcomes here, a settlement or bankruptcy. But can you have a successful settlement without your biggest creditor? And that's Berbank. Uh, that's a huge question here. Can we make this about something more 
than Agricor and Croatia. What's the parable here? The parable as in um, how was this all possible? No, I mean, is there a broader significance here than just Agricor and its travails and wither Croatia? Is there a story here about how a small, relatively new country, which was part of a broader grouping, is finding it tough to stand alone? I can answer from the Eastern European point of view and specifically from, from, the, from the point of view of former Yugoslav countries. This, I think the parable is, and the lesson here, if you want, is that Agricor is the result of the of the crony economy of the of the crony socialism that became crony capitalism because you simply couldn't have such a company uh, doing the business so untransparently and in a gray area as Luca mentioned the way they didn't pay the suppliers on time the with the suppliers had long delays in payment. Uh, the Croatian Central Bank uh, played a good role because several years ago it limited the bank's exposure, the Croatian bank's exposure to Agrocor, but other regulators were not so quick. So because he, it couldn't get any more cash from the local banks, Agrocor developed this whole way of financing uh, through suppliers actually getting loans and then giving Agrocor the biggest part of those funds. It seemed that everybody know, every, knew everything, and this was, this was tolerated by every government for, well, obviously for a quarter of the century. And the lesson here is this, this has to stop. Even the suppliers that are now in problems also play their part here. They, they continue to help Agrocor under those circumstances. And they need to... Another thing when you said, is this going to lead to a, to a bailout, it all depends whether the companies all the, by Agrocor and other Croatian companies will change their business model, it, uh, whether they will diversify, whether they will go to other retail chains, and they have to become more competitive. They need to change all this for the... For the com- for actually for the company and for the whole economy to to get not to end in a, in in a chaotic situation and the next year will be crucial for all that. Luca, do you want to get in a last word here? Yeah, I, I thought um, as a another lesson, uh, maybe we can. Um, it, it's probably for it's a lesson for uh, for international investors. Um, when Agricor came to the market, uh, it paid more than competitors, than peers in Western Europe, not only because it was based in an uh, in Eastern European country, but also because analysts, and uh, I spoke to many of them after the crisis started, uh, these analysts at uh, credit funds could not get to the bottom of, uh, of Agricor's accounts. There was always something that they could not explain in terms of how to reconcile their numbers. And the company uh, happily paid a few extra percentage points in, in yields in its bonds and its loans uh, in order to uh, get away with that uh, uncertainty over, over the numbers. But in the end, this came back to bite them uh, because uh, their recoveries for, for investors may be very low. 
Well, I think I know what Dan was maybe driving at here. And when Luke, Luca, when you talk about that, that reminds me of Lehman Brothers nine years ago, and analysts were saying pretty much the same thing. Couldn't reconcile the books together. Something wasn't quite right. Didn't add up. And the result was, uh, well, we know it now. It was, uh, it's, it's what happened in 2008, the global financial crisis. Yasmina and Luca, thank you so much for joining us today. This was really informative and, and interesting. Thank you. Thank you. Benchmark will be back next week. And until then, you can find us on the Bloomberg Terminal, Bloomberg.com, our Bloomberg app, as well as on Apple Podcasts, Pocket Casts, and Stitcher. While you're there, take a minute to rate and review the show so more listeners can find us. And let us know what you thought of the show. You can follow me on Twitter at, at Scott Landman. Dan, you are at Moss underscore Eco. Yasmina, you're at, at J-A-S-K-U-Z-M-A-N-O-V-I-C. And Luca is at at L-C-A-S-I-R-A-G-H-I. Benchmark is produced by Sarah Patterson. Thanks for listening. See you next time.